You are listening to Haftarah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavuah and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database of the Rabbi Shiva Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisisa, but it is also Parsha's Parah. And earlier today, we delivered a Shir on the Haftarah for Kisisa for a week that would not coincide with Parsha's Parah. But now we're going to give attention to the actual Haftarah for this Shabbos, which is the Haftarah for Parsha's Parah. And that comes to us from Sefer Yechezkel, Perak Lamed. Vav is 36 in Yechezkel, and in the Ashkenazic tradition, it takes us from Pasuk Tesazayin all the way to Pasuk Lamed Ches. In the Sephardic tradition, the Haftar ends a couple of Pesukim earlier, but we're going to go from 36 to 1638. So, I should say Perak 36, 16 to 38. And, of course, we dedicate the Shir, Le'inishmas inim rasi chayarachal b'astav tzvi ha'arini kapars meshkava, her neshama should have an aliyah. And when we look at this Haftarah, which once again is from Yechezkel, we remember that this is not the first nor the last Haftarah that we'll be seeing from Yechezkel. The Haftarah for Parshas Tetzave last week, not the Haftarah that we actually read, but on a week that Tetzave does not coincide with the Zachor or any other special Haftaras, so then for Tetzave we would have read from Yechezkel, on a different part of Yechezkel, of course, we read we would have read from Mem Gimel and Yechezkel, which was over 20 Prakim earlier. We also say Yechezkel for Parshas Vayigash, Parshas Vayera, and Bezras Hashem, we will be hearing from Yechezkel some more in the future. As it happens, the Haftarah for Yechezkel um, that, that we find for Parshas Vayigash is from the subsequent parak to the one that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Lamed Vav today. But um, Lamed Zion is actually the parak that's featured in the Haftarah for Vayigash. Um, there, that Haftarah began from Pasuk Tesvav. And interestingly enough, we'll be giving a shout-out to another Haftarah that is actually connected to Pesach, um, maybe a little bit later on in this shear. Um, but I believe I actually misspoke earlier when I said that the Haftarah from Parshasvah, um, from uh, from, from Tzitzabe, which I said was 20 psukim earlier, it's actually over 20 psukim ahead. Or not even 20 psukim, that's, that's Mem Gimel in Yechezkel. So that's so where we're talking, we're talking uh, seven, so, um, seven prakim ahead of where we are about to learn today. So the Haftarah from Tzitzabe, so that, uh, that's where that can be found. Be that as it may, we'll turn our attention to this actual um, Haftarah for Para, which once again is Yechezkel Lamed Vav. And we'll start to address the question of what is Parshas Para even about? Right? In order to have a clue of what the Haftarah is going to be about, we should have an idea of what Parshas Para is about. And that is taken from the beginning of Parshas Chukas, and it is the Parsha of the Para Aduma, known by Art Scroll as the quintessential Chok or the quintessential statute, the decree of the Torah. And of course, um, that comes from the Midrashim, which explain that Chok is a mitzvah that we don't understand, and Para Aduma, for one reason or another, is the model Chok, for different reasons. And the the whole Parsha of Para Aduma discusses various laws of impurity when it comes to Tomas Mace, how to address Tomas Mace, someone becomes impurity from a dead human carcass, and what to do about that, what is he allowed to do, what is he not allowed to do, how does he get out of being impure, so that's really what's discussed in the Parsha of Parsha's Par, which we'll be reading on Shabbos. The question is, what about the Haftarah? 
And if you look at the Haftar, the Haftar does not really mention the Paraduma, which means that we have to do a little bit of work to understand what, in fact, the Haftar is about. Now, it's very easy to see the connection. Uh, if you look, for example, in the second Pasuk in our Haftar, in Lamed Vav Yud Zayin, so the Haftar says, Ben Adam Beis Yisrael Yoshvim Ad Masam, that, um, so, of course, Ben Adam is the way that Hashem classically addresses Yechezkel, son of man. And he says, the base Yisrael, the household of Yisrael, they are sitting alad Masim on their soil, bitamulosa, and they are they are contaminating it with impurity. Okay, sounds like it's connected so far. We're talking about Tumlan Dahara. So, and how are they impurifying it? How are they contaminating it? Bidarkam, in their ways. Uva alilosam. And in, um, in, and in their, um, alilos is a different, uh, is a different word that can refer to either an avera or to some plaint against them, something that they're doing wrong. Ketumas hanida haisa darkam lefanai. Like the way of, like, like the impurity of a nida was their way before me. Just like a nida is someone who is, um, who is, set apart, someone who is separated. Um, we you stay away from the Nida. So in a similar vein, Hashem says that I want to stay away from you. And yet, later in the Haftarah, we find perhaps the glimmer of hope. So we have this one Pasuk that we just referenced that talks about Tumah, the first connection to Parshas Para, perhaps. And later, in Lamed Vav, Pasuk Chafhei, so the Pasuk says, V'zarakti Aleichem Mayim Tehorim, a Pasuk that we should be familiar with, from Slichos, and I will sprinkle upon you the waters of purity, and you'll become pure from all of your impurities, and we call Gilulechem, I'm going to purify you. And then um, we and then we find an interesting Pasuk um, right after, we'll give a shout out to it right now, in Pasuk Chavav. So it doesn't actually say what we would have hoped it would have said, if we wanted a nice connection to Parsha Sipara, it says, And I will give to you a new heart, and a new ruach I'm going to put in your midst, inside you, in your insides, and in the meantime, I'm going to surgically remove, as leva, Evan, the heart of stone, from your flesh, and instead, in its place, basar. Um, it's going to be a organ organ transmission. Um, instead, it's going to be a lave basar. Instead of in the place of a, a heart of stone, there's going to be a heart of flesh. Now, why did I say that this pasuk doesn't have the exact wording that we would have preferred? Maybe. Well, you can compare this pasuk, which says "Venasati lechem lev chadash veruach chadasha." Compare that to the pasuk in Tehillim, which we also know from Slichos in uh, in Perak um, Nun Aleph of Tehillim, pasuk Yud Beis there, fifty-one twelve, lev tahor virali alokem veruach nachon chadesh bekibi, which means a pure heart Hashem create for me, and um, and a, a straight spirit renew in my insides. So the Pasuk is quite parallel to our Pasuk here in Yechezkel, but instead of a Lev Tahor, our Pasuk in Yechezkel says a Lev Chadash. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You could say, what is the nature of a Lev Chadash? It's probably going to be a Lev Tahor. Um, so give me a Lev Chadash. However, our Pasuk, we know, and also in place of the Ruach Nachon, our Pasuk in Yechezkel calls it a Ruach Chadasha. So I guess a, a fair question we could ask, um, one, is at least on this particular word choice, why do we prefer Lev Chadash and Ruach Chadasha to Lev Tahor and Ruach Nachon? Especially in a Parsha, Parsha's Parah, which is all about Tumlan Tahara, 
it would have the connection would have been much better, I would argue, if uh, the pasuk had said "v'nasati lechem leiv tahor" instead of "v'nasati lechem leiv chadash." So, what is this emphasis on chadash? I think that's an important question we can ask, and hopefully, we'll be able to answer that question. And again, you can say that the pasuk is parallel enough to the pasuk in Tehillim, and we've already had other references to Tehuma and Tahara. We mentioned it in the previous pasuk, so it's not like this is too much of a stretch, right? The the connections are certainly there. Um, but of course, as usual, as we go on to our next question, is there anything more here? Right, we always try to address the question and, and, and assume that there's more than just a connection, but there's something fundamental here. So if there is something fundamental, why are we emphasizing the 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 um, the, the lev chadash? And again, we're differentiating between a lev ha'even, a heart of stone, which is being traded in for a lave bus or a heart of flesh. Now, I thought most of us have hearts of flesh. If you look inside, if we would open up our bodies, um, if we had to have an open heart surgery, what you would find is a, a heart of flesh. So apparently here we're referencing a, a lave of Evan, a lave of stone, which obviously um, has homiletical um, you know, a, an understanding. We're not talking about a literal um, rock-hard heart that a person has inside their body, but apparently um, a person who has a heart that is stone-cold, that is a lave evan, if they do, then apparently what we're assuming is that they are not at the baseline where a human should be. A human should have a lave basar. A human should have a heart of flesh. But for some reason, instead, this person has chosen to have inside himself a lave evan. So we have to talk about what that is and what that means. What is the difference between a lave evan and a lave bustar? The heart that a human is supposed to have, a heart that a human is born with, and the heart of stone that apparently at this time he has. So we'll, so we'll have to address that question as well. So let's, let's talk about um, how, once again, para aduma is not really referenced in this Haftarah. Why are there no cows in this Haftarah? And what are we deciding to talk about instead? We don't talk about cows directly. We talk about Tumah and Tahara. Okay, great. Um, but, you know, there are going to be parshios in the parsha in the parshios HaShavua about Tumah and Tahara. We'll find it in Shemini, Tazriya, Metzora. So the Tumah is, is a topic of discussion in more than one parsha. And um, my point is that Parshas Par is not the only one. So why are we emphasizing that here? And again, there's no reference here yet to Tomas Mace, at least not explicitly, but I want to argue that implicitly there is. So the question is, where is that connection? So here's where I bring your attention to the very next piece of Navi, the very next parak that's not in our Haftarah, but it gives us a clue about what our Haftarah is about. The next parak happens to be a Haftarah famous in even the less Jewish, we'll call it, in the less Jewish circles, maybe in the non-Jewish circles, but other religions that um, pay attention to Bible. There is a Haftarah that's known famously as Dry Bones. So what is Dry Bones? Well, this is the story of Yechezkel engaging in Tchias HaMesim, or actually watching Hashem engage in Tchias HaMesim with bones of uh, about a, um, an army's worth of people coming back to life. And this is actually the Haftarah for Shabbos Cholomoid Pesach. And if you think about Parah and its connection to Pesach, Parah is the introduction to Pesach, we know, because 
you had to become um, tahor from Tomas Mace before you partook of the carbon Pesach. You're not able to partake from the carbon Pesach if you are Tame from Tomas Mace. So, interestingly, the Haftara, which is the introduction to Pesach, right, our Haftara of Parshas Para, is actually the intro to a Haftara that is read on Pesach, at least Shabbos Cholomoed, and that entire Parsha is about Tchiasamesin. So we have a connection to Tumas Mace, um, apparently between Tumas Mace and Tchiasamesin, purification from the dead and revival of the dead. So what's the basis of that connection? So we'll have to talk about that. But what I'll first hopefully address is the question, again, going back to how so far we have many shout-outs here and there to Tuma and Tahara in our Haftara. Um, again, originally I was talking about Claudius Israel's behavior on their soil, and Hashem says, yeah, but you're like a needed to me because of the way you did Averos. And so I'm going to, you know, to be apart from you, but one day I'm going to sprinkle the purifying waters on you. And that's like the closest reference we have to Para Aduma. And Para Aduma does involve the sprinkling of ashes and also Meinida it talks about there. So we have, we have connections, but let's, let's, let's get down to the core of it. All right, is it just a matter of, oh, Tum and Tahara, we found, we found a piece of Navi that talks about Tum and Tahara. So, I think part of the question is, is this Haftar really just a homily? Right? Is it just a drash? It's an exegetical teaching. It's playing off of themes in Tum and Tahara. Is that all it is? And maybe that's enough, you know, just enough to make for a drasha, and often that's all you need for a drasha. You just need a connection. But... Usually, the, the most emistic adrashas are the ones that you realize are not just a homily, it's not just an allegorical lesson, but it's actually something that, in its core, it's really intertwined. So the question is, this seemingly generic um, reference to Toma and Tahara, is that all it is? So we have to get to really the, the core of what Toma and Tahara really is. And this is something we've spoken about in the past when Hirsch speaks about this at length. Rav Shamshin Fal Hirsch explains that what is Tumah really other than the absence of life? And we spoke about this in uh, Parsha Panorama for Parsha Tazria and Mitzora, or different kinds of Tumah. Interestingly enough, Para is set aside from all the other ones. It's the Abiyavosa Tumah, the Tumah of a dead body. But there's different kinds of Tumah, right? There's Tumah from a woman who gives birth. The life leaves her body, and now there's a void of life inside her body that creates tuma, or a zav, or a zava, or a nida. People whose reproductive organs are acting in such a way that the individual is not able to reproduce, that is an absence of life. And of course, the greatest manifestation of the absence of life is actual death. And the actual death creates tumasmes, which is uh, that, that void of life creates tuma. So really, all impurity is marked by lifelessness. And if you think about lifelessness, think about a heart that is no longer living. That, I think, is where the symbol of a lave evan, a heart of stone, comes from. Right? Lifelessness. A person whose heart is as if it's not alive. It's like his heart has stopped. Now, we're not talking with someone who is going into cardiac arrest in the literal sense. So then we have to return, yes, to a sort of a homiletical teaching. Or perhaps, if, we, if you will, if you'll allow me and humor me, 
maybe it's not really a homiletical teaching, but it's real, a real spiritual heart attack, which is where the real heart is, right? A person can die physically, a person can have um, a heart stoppage physically, but his actual heart, the heart that matters, the heart in the Olama Emes, his spiritual heart, his spiritual mind, his spiritual energy and existence and vigor, that can stop. That can become a lave evan. What is a lave evan? A, a, a hard stone heart. That is a heart that is not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. It's not growing. It is stubborn and it is complacent. It's a heart that's not able to grow. And the human condition, the normal human condition, is that a human has a heart of basar. Right? We said the baseline is Hashem put a heart of flesh inside you. So what is a heart of flesh against a heart of stone? A heart of stone is a heart that's not doing anything, it's not moving, it's staying exactly where it is, it's staying put. But a heart of flesh is a heart that's beating. The person's alive. The person's growing. It's still pumping oxygen into his body. And in this case, spiritual oxygen. Spiritual life. That's what we want. And if you think about what para-aduma does, para-aduma is a purification from Tomas Mace. What that means is that para confronts death head-on. We've spoken in the past in previous shiurim in the database podcast, um, especially for Parsha Panorama, for Parsha's Para, which you can find in the archives. Um, if you go, if you want to be a part of the database podcast WhatsApp group, where I put shiurim from the archives that are relevant to whatever week it is, so you could be a part of that WhatsApp group. All you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. It's the data then base B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Leave me your phone number telling me you want to be part of the WhatsApp group and you will be added right there. And I have links to every uploaded share there. Of course, if you also want to partner with us with a sponsorship, um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations for Shiram, then all you have to also do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. The data then base B-E-I-S at gmail.com. But the point is that we've spoken about in the past is that we know that para-aduma is the quintessential chok, and I wanted to argue in the past that really the chok of life is death. The chok of life, the decree, the, the xeris hamelech that we just don't understand is the concept of death. That Hashem gives us life for the purpose of living, and then all of a sudden Hashem takes it away from us. And what are we supposed to do when someone we love, chas v'shalom, passes away? Right, well, well, how are we supposed to confront that? That is the chok of life. And there is, not, there, there is a mystery a mysterious aspect to that chok, and there's also the tumma that comes with it. Tumma in and of itself is a mystery. And para-aduma comes to sort of confront death and to admit that we don't understand it. And part of accepting parsha's par is to accept that we don't understand it. We don't understand why people die, why there is lifelessness. But part of the tahara that, that, that we achieve through para Maybe not in the physical, literal sense, but in terms of our acceptance of Parshas Para, our acceptance of the reality that we don't understand the reality. That is, I think, part of the fuel that allows us to have hearts that are pumping and working, that allows the living to keep living. Right? Because life goes on for the living. Unfortunately, we don't understand why people are taken away, why there is death, why we have to confront it, but life does have to go on for the living. We can't just have a stone heart, but we have to have a growth mindset and say, you know what, I'm still alive and I still have something to do. I can't be complacent and stubborn and say that it's all over. I have a job here. That's what Parshish Pari teaches us. We don't know the answers, but you know what, you got to keep going. And Pesach 
requires and relies on the ability of Tahara to be able for us to become pure from that Tamasames, to rise above Tamasames, to rise above that which we don't understand, to rise above death. Right? The dry bones. The triasamesim, we have to have, if there's a physical triasamesim, and to every physical concept there is a spiritual counterpart, if there is a physical triasamesim, if there is a physical heart stoppage, right, then there's got to be a spiritual one, which means that there's a spiritual triasamesim. Not just the fact that Hashem could take bones and bring them back to life, yes, and we, and we, and we await that day, but in a spiritual sense, we need to, we need we, we need to wake up. We need to we need to revive ourselves. We need to keep living and be alive. Pesach requires that, and if you think about it, that tahara, what does that tahara really require? What does Pesach require? In a word, I'll say hischadjus. Renewal. The second chance. Hischadjus. Chidush. Something new. A novel exception to the rules that we've understood thus far, that we are limited, that we cannot transcend, that we are impure and we have no way out. We say, no, there's a sense of hischadshas. And of course, it makes so much sense now that para is the third of the Dalad Parshias, and the fourth, of course, is ha-chodesh. Ha-chodesh lachem, a new month, chodesh from chodesh. Thus, we're not just asking Hashem, leave to harbor Elokim. What's the nature of that heart? What does a lev tahar look like? It's a heart that's chadash. We say in our Haftarah, lev chadash. V'nasati lechem lev chadash. Hashem says, I'm going to give you a new heart. What is a lev chadash? It's a heart that's still pumping, a heart that's still ready for newness. What kind of heart is that? That's a lev basar, a regular heart. Because the human condition is that we have a regular heart that's able to grow. It's pumping that blood. It's pumping the oxygen. That's what our heart does, and it keeps us alive. And in the spiritual sense, no differently. It's the heart that's ready for newness. Not the heart that says, I've been there, done that, and I, you know, this is what I am, this is who I am, and it's just a heart of stone that's not changing. But no, it's a heart that's living. And that comes from hischadshus. That hachodesh hazelachem. That requires us to first go through the process of tahara, the process of para. Then we get to the point of hischadshus. Right? And we cannot get to that point with complacency, with that levevin, that heart of stone. And Pesach is the headquarters of Amuna in life, in the place of lifelessness. It's a tchiasamesim. And again, not just a homiletical tchiasamesim, but maybe in a sense the literal one as well, not just allegorical. It's a rhetorical link between parallel realities. Tchiasamesim is a real thing, but the spiritual tchiasamesim, they're, 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 they're both real. Right? And this perhaps is why we find so many midrashim that talk about the babies that were thrown in the river, in the Nile, and they came back to life at the end of everything. Hashem sustained them. Because whereas when we are in Mitzrayim, in the, on the 49th level of Tumah, the impurity, because we're surrounded by Avodah Zara, we're surrounded by spiritual death. In that place of lifelessness, we're able to somehow blossom and become beings that are lively, to have a newness, a renewal. 
That's what we're able to accomplish on Pesach. I believe that's why the very next piece, the very next parak, is the parak of those dry bones, the Atzamos Yveshos, that, um, that we read on Shabbos Chavod Pesach, realizing that it's not the end, realizing that we have room to grow. Not only do we have room to grow, we have a requirement to grow. We rely on our growth. We have to keep growing. It's interesting that I alluded to earlier the Haftar for Parshas Vayigash, which also comes from Yechezkel. That piece of Navi comes right after the dry bones. And we spoke about how there the Navi was talking about the unity between the two houses of Israel, Ephraim and Yosef on the one hand and Yehuda on the other, and how similar to the uh, the question of the Russia who asks, Yisrael asks Yechezkel, what are you trying to do? Like, you really think you're going to unite Klal Yisrael to each other? And the answer is, yeah, our Geula depends on that. So I believe that piece focuses on Rabbein Adam L'Chaveiro, but this particular Haftar focuses on Rabbein Adam L'Makom, our, uh, our requirement to see ourselves as able to rise up from the spiritual impurity that we are in, to rise up from the Tumah that we are stuck in, and to say, no, I could have a functioning heart. I could have a heart that's ready to grow, to keep going, to keep myself alive, and to keep moving. And Be'ez Ras Hashem, we should, we should be inspired to to recognize the lave buster that we have inside ourselves. That will be the lave tahor that we reference in Tehillim, that lave chadash that our Pasuk actually talks about, the lave tahor, the lave chadash that we can have with that sense of ischadshah taking us into hachodesh azalachem, which will Be'ez Rashem take us into Pesach, which should also Be'ez Rashem take us into the Gula Shleim of Meher Yomenu. If you enjoyed this shir and others, as I mentioned before, all you have to do to be part of what we do here is to reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. But until next time, wishing you a wonderful Shabbos para, and thank you for joining us here at the database.